There's going to be a big argument for reparations because Gavin Newsom has decided that $569 billion need to be taken from some and given to others. There will be no effort to determine whether the recipients are actually the descendants of slaves. There will be no effort made to make sure that the people from whom the money is taken are from families who ever held slaves. And it will be used, they will say it's systemic. The point is not to help, obviously. The point is to pander, and far more importantly, the point is to break, to remake through force. And this is accomplished because people are traumatized. We live in a trauma brain. Well, not all of us, but our society is acting very much like a trauma brain. And so many of the people making decisions are obviously traumatized and seek their own safety above all else. And look, there are reasonable people who can disagree about reparations. My sister's one such person, and and she's, in fact, the inspiration for, for talking about this. She doesn't live in a trauma mind. But what does a trauma mind sound like? Well, a trauma mind is concerned only about its own safety. It cannot be concerned about the safety of others. It's in trauma. I think Joel Roth, who was effectively the head censor at Twitter, is a great example. He's talking here with Kara Swisher, a technology reporter who now finds herself talking about censorship. Right. The events of the 6th happen. And um, if you talk to content moderators who worked on January 6th, myself included, the word that nearly everybody uses is trauma. Mm-hmm. We, we experience those events, not some of us as Americans, but not just as Americans or as citizens, but as people working on sort of how to prevent harm on the internet, we saw the clearest possible example of what it looked like for things to move from online to off. Okay. Yoel, uh, Twitter was used to organize the daylight assassination of a Trump supporter in Portland, Oregon. They walked up and they shot him in the face and fled. It has been used to organize... The destruction of American cities, like Kenosha, Wisconsin, which ended up in a young man having to defend himself lest he himself be murdered. It has been used to create an an atmosphere wherein groups go around cities saying pigs in a blanket, fry them up like bacon, and they get it done. We see a 100 and 200% increase in cops being murdered in ambushes during just trying to do their jobs. We, We see that. So you saw an example, but you saw the example that mattered to you. Because I hear you saying that the only thing that matters to you, Yoel Roth, is that you feel safe. But I think there's one more thing to that, that you feel safe and virtuous. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Thank you to KnowYourRiskRadio.com's website for Bulwark Capital Management. 
making all of this happen. Well, just make it happen. I'm I'm secure with a great team of people who make it happen. But Zach's been there from the very beginning. KnowYourRiskRadio.com. We'll get to more of Yul Roth. He has some amazing examples of trauma minds, in my judgment, to share. And in fact, he just said he's traumatized. So I don't know that I even need to say, in my opinion. I think he's admitting he's a traumatized person. I want to begin with this. I gauge a lot of things through the mind of my sister because she is a grounded and absolutely sane liberal. And she is um, a compassionate woman. And as I said last hour, uh, she, she uses her compassion in an active sense. She volunteers in, in really tough circumstances, like with juvenile rape victims and, and other rape victims. And, and my sister is there when people are bleeding to death. And um, though she doesn't work actively in, in ERs anymore, she volunteers in ERs when they're needed, when, when, when they need people. My sister goes in, and she has this heart, and I describe her as the better of the two siblings. And she's a liberal. And she began discussing, and I think paving the, the way to have a discussion about reparations. And I'm anxious to have that discussion with her, because she's very reasonable. And it is her rationale that because so many people have been uh, affected economically through slavery, through three generations uh, of not getting inheritance or having businesses passed on, that of course we need to employ reparations to equal the playing field or to, it's not equal anymore, it's uh, equity, to be equitable. And I'm, I'm more than happy to have this conversation in full with my sister and listen and learn from her point of view. And in my mind, when I think about that circumstance, I think of my family. To my knowledge, we would be the first generation, a second, because my grandfather passed on things to his kids. On my mother's side, if I'm not mistaken, we would be the first generation to get an inheritance. I'm unaware of land or finances. Uh, my dad's side of the family, yep, there was the, the great-grandpa who passed, passed land on. But in my mom's lineage, I think my mom's great inheritance was a used car. And this begins the discussion of compassion versus reparations. And it's really... Subtext to this is why groups are so necessary. Opposing groups are so necessary for tyranny to exist and how reparations is simply being used as another way to create groups. Because an individual analysis of this, I think, will get us to a different point than a blanket reparations to the tune of $569 billion. And that's in one state, the state of California. The dictator Gavin Newsom wants to do that. So explore that further and get back to Yoel Roth and the trauma mind, which makes this all possible. If you don't get 
the quality of nutrients that you need in a daily diet. Uh, it can put your body into a state of trauma. And if you do not get the quality of sleep that you need, it can also put your body uh, into a state of trauma. And modern life does a lot to us. We don't do the you know, back-breaking physical labor, most of us that can often contribute to a good night's sleep. Although I know, I know plenty of people who labor for a living who might say, what are you talking about? I hurt really bad when I go to bed and I drink just as much as coffee as you do, smart boy. But we don't do that as often. And the body's meant for that. Uh, we don't dig dirts. You know, we don't dig vegetables out of the ground anymore. And I'm sorry to say it, but that brought to us some nutrients and things that we need in order to live in the right way. And, of course, we are pretty highly caffeinated, and I'm speaking as as one person, you know that to be the case. And so the nutritional supplement industry was born, and it was all about how do you deliver stuff to people, right? Let's remove all the water. Let's smack it, smash it down into these hard substances, uh, like the tablets and pills. Let's smash it down like that. And it turns out that when you do that, your body's not particularly good at absorbing that stuff. Because it ends up in these super solid particles that are 10 to 100 times too big to, to absorb. And it ends up being similar to sand. And I'm basing this upon the research of a company called Healthy Cell. And what they've done is respond to that reality with something called a microgel. And this is a, 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 a trademarked phrase, microgel. And it ensures maximum absorption of premium nutrients. And the nutrients you need for sleep, they've got a REM sleep aid. For focus and concentration, they've got that. And for vitamins. And the thing about this stuff is, and I've done this on the show, I've consumed this on the show. They're gel packs. Rip them open, uh, consume it, and you're done. And I like the taste of all of them. You could also put that into a shake if you feel like you need to, but I don't. And I don't know about you, but when I remember travel. When I was business traveling all the time and trying to take supplements with me, you can take this stuff with you. And again, you're in the, in the, the, the Uber or the cab or on the airplane, rip it open. You've got your nutrients, you've got your vitamins, and it's 165% more absorbable than tablets. And the REM sleep aid, I will testify to this. This stuff works so well because old-fashioned melatonin in those forms I used to take yeah, I'd pass out for four hours and then I'd wake with a zing. <laughs> I was awake. That's not the case with the sleep aid from Healthy Cell. They set up a website just for this podcast family. So go get better health with Healthy Cell. Go to HealthyCell.com slash Todd. That's HealthyCell.com slash Todd. Use promo code Todd for 20% off your first order. Again, that's HealthyCell.com slash Todd. Promo code Todd for 20% off your first order. If we're to take compassion... And compare it against reparations. Compassion is going to win. Here's why. Number one, people who receive reparations, if we say this comes true, what have they received? Revenge. They have been, they've, they've received the, the, the fruits of revenge against the people who wronged them? No. Against the people who wronged their, their descendants? No. Or ascendants? No. Uh, against people they've met? Nope. Against them. You've received the results of the fruits of revenge against them. 
And here's the thing. It's so easy to hate them. But it's super hard to hate Bob or Allison uh, or, or Trevor, people you meet. It's, I think it's difficult to hate people once you get to know them. But it's easy to hate them. <laughs> there's plenty of people in North Idaho who struggle with this. It, look, I'm just speaking truth. There's people in North Idaho who struggle with, oh my gosh, another California plate. I hate those people. And please don't. There's so many good people who've relocated to the red states from California. And they're coming for the right reasons, most of them, because they want to be in liberty. And they get it now. They get that the social issues are part of the problem. But we struggle with this. Whereas compassion, when something is given because people choose to give, it comes innately from a perspective of love. So it doesn't transmit revenge. It transmits love for a brother or a sister. It transmits caring. And sometimes these things are so simple. I was driving to the gym the other day, and there was a young man. uh, Was that right? No, I was driving to go soak in the river. And there was a young man walking on a a busy, busy 50-mile-per-hour road. There's a lot of snow on it. And he had a gas can, and I'd seen a car that was probably, I learned it was his car. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be late. I don't want to leave my friend waiting. But "Ah, I got to help this guy. So I slowed the truck down, got him in, and it turned out I didn't need to take him that far. But he said, I can't believe someone stopped in the middle of this snow to get me. I said, man, I didn't want you to get hit. And he said, still, I can't believe it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And fist bumped me and popped out of his car and apparently had gas there where he could go get it. And it was his car, didn't need to go to a gas station. It's simple. Now, I could have just tossed, I don't know, six bucks out the window. Hey, good luck! Or, more to the point, someone could have seized my gas can and given it to him. And what's he get? Oh, the guy in the nice truck's paying his. On compassion versus reparations, compassion's always going to win because it also requires us to get to know people. And this is the reparations game. There's no getting to know anybody. There's no investigation into who was harmed. Like, you can go back and admit, perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps there's a bunch of uh, inheritance on my mom's side I'm unaware of. Although, I know the things she got. I know it was a tea set uh, from grandmas and aunts. And I know nothing came from her mom because her mom had nothing. And I know that her mom had nothing because her mom had nothing. And I know that my mother's father wasn't a particularly gracious man. And that, again, it was a used car that he helped purchase for her after she effectively shamed them into it. But that was it. But somehow now my mom lives uh, a full retirement and living the good life in Arizona in a tiny little, tiny little place that we bought for her. And it's not a house. It's, it's a trailer and it's, it's, she loves it. But it's in a beautiful little housing trailer park place. She loves it. And as a sunroom and all that, she loves it. I'm, 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 I feel blessed that we were able to help her with that. But somehow she lives in this full retirement because what did she do? Well, my mom, from the age of 13, had jobs like cleaning toilets and, and, and going outside the house and cleaning the toilets of old men. And she shared with us some you know, rather horrific stories about doing that and working in a diner and driving her brothers around when she was 13 years old, quite illegally, but someone had to do it. And she developed this work ethic, and then she worked, and she worked, and she worked, and now she's retired, and she lives in good, good stead. And she was, now she will be the first generation to pass this on to us, because I know that she has life insurance. And I know that she has other things that she wishes to pass on to us. 
But that's three generations in. And this is the thing about this reparations is it's this group. It's all the blacks. And when I say the blacks, I'm mimicking the mindset I see of people who want to do this. Well, you got to help the blacks. Well, which ones? And is this really the right way to help? Because if you go back and consult somewhat recent history, and you go read books like Please Stop Helping Us from Jason Riley, you will learn that the blacks had done pretty well when the expectation was you're going to have to do well, when the expectation was you can go open businesses. You can get into college, but you have to earn your way in. If you arrive at college unable to compete in college, it's going to be a disaster for you. You're going to waste money and time, and it's going to be depressing, and it's going to make you feel stupid if you don't do well in college. So go get ready for college. And when that was the message, and when marry and stay together was the message before the welfare department came along and broke that up, you saw this trajectory of black people having the same trajectory as so many other people who were brought to America, many virtually against their will, if not against their will. I'm speaking of the Chinese and many, and, and many of the Irish who were effectively in states of slavery in the United States for a bit. So they had this trajectory, this shared trajectory. And then that became broken apart when what happened? When the group was created, it was no longer individuals. Now it's the blacks or the coloreds. And the coloreds versus the whites, and this then begot this competition. And this is why tyranny requires this stuff. There's got to be a pretense that there's limited, limited resources. And if you play the zero-sum game and people believe there's limited resources, then of course we need to forcibly take from someone else to get for more because we certainly can't grow the pie. We certainly can't create more. And yet human beings are called to create. As Christians, we should understand that we are called to create. It's one of the ways in which we honor God is by using what he's given us to create. So when you take compassion and you compare it against reparations, compassion wins on every single front. But the goal is not compassion and the goal is not equity. The goal is pandering and control. And this is why it's being structured this way. And if you are seriously interested in going and helping the descendants of slaves, wouldn't it make sense to actually go track how the descendants of slaves are doing? Like Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas knows what it's like to live in a sharecropper's cabin. Who else knows that? Does anyone listening say, yeah, you know what? I've, I've spent time in a sharecropper's cabin. Tom, Clarence Thomas did. And I think Thomas has told us time and again that it was, that reparations would have done the reverse for him. See, because sometimes compassion is, is, is saying, sometimes compassion is better this way. What was done to you was horrific. It's not your fault. Uh, people had no right to treat you that way. It was wrong. It was perverse. It was against God. And it's hurtful. And, and I pray that it will stop hurting, and I pray, that, I pray that God will lift you from this and lift the hurt from you. I pray that you will seek people in your life uh, through God who can provide you opportunity and, and, and justice through achievement, and I hope that you have it in your heart to forgive. What? Forgive. Why? Because otherwise you're re-enslaved. 
If you live with the thought of revenge constantly in your mind, you are enslaved. And what is this carrot of reparations but a great big pile of steaming hot revenge? And when money comes easily, money goes easily. The parable of the the, the lottery winner. How many instances are these people, are there of these people who win this enormous sum of money and then all's good, all's settled, we're all good, it's all fine. And then it turned out it's not all fine. That I had no idea how quickly you can spend money like this. I had no idea what the taxes meant for this. Wait, I thought I won 20 million bucks. No, actually the government, the government won 15 million of that or, or 10 million of that. So it's only 10 million. So the $10 million house you bought, that's all you have. And no, I'm not saying that people who would get reparations are not prepared for finances. I'm saying some of them certainly are not. Some of them are more than prepared and they already have it. (laughs) They've already got the money. So what then of people like my sister who are so compassionate? I might say to her, you're already doing it. My dear beloved sister, you are reparations. You're already doing it. And that the helping hand that comes with the loving eye, that is the real form of reparation. Because I will tell you this, there's plenty of people in the so-called progressive Christianity who would say, well, what would Jesus say about reparations? You're on the wrong because Jesus said give to the poor. Right, but not through an intermediary. You, when you go to heaven, well, if, when, on judgment day, if the Lord says, did you feed my sheep? And remember, he knows the answer. Did you feed my sheep? And you say, oh, well, yeah, we, we passed a reparations bill. Yeah, uh, state of California did so. Yeah, a bunch of my taxes went to the blacks. Again, I'm mimicking the words or the thoughts of people who put people in groups, the blacks, the whites, the gays. And the Lord would say, so wait, uh, I asked if you gave. I asked if you fed my sheep. It sounds like you fed the government. And the other last point about this before we move on to the trauma mind, because it's the trauma mind that makes this possible. And the traumatizing of the blacks, of black people, traumatizing. The only way you'll get is through Gavin Newsom. The only way you'll ever get even if someone takes for you. The only key, the only way out of the situation you're in is revenge. Economic revenge. Right? Well, wait, wait, wait. The Lord Jesus said, give to the least of these. Right? He did. So the question is, in the case of reparations, as Gavin Newsom would have it done, that's the the non-compassionate way, to whom are you actually giving? Let's think about this. Let's think about this. You know, what is it? It's uh, like three weeks left in December. I know there's people, I know it, who are waiting to do soda weight loss until the first of the year. I know it (laughs) because the human psyche is this. Man, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution, and I hear Herman talking about the soda weight loss, and um, I saw that picture he shared of where he was 150 pounds heavier, and yeah, he was. (laughs) He was 150 pounds heavier, and I'm glad he shared that. And I see that he looks better, 150 pounds lighter. And But I know it's not just the looking better. I know it's not just the aesthetics. 
I, I know you're thinking, man, in, by, by the summer, if I start in January, in the summer, I'm finally going to be able to go water skiing with the kids. I can't wait. My kids will come home from, from college and we say, you're not going to believe it. We're going water skiing together. I can do it again. Or next winter, I'm going snow skiing. I'm going to do tennis again, or I'm going to go dancing. My wife's going to like the way I look better. My husband's going to like that, or I'm going to avoid, I'm going to get off these pills. Like I got off my, um, my thyroid meds. When I lost my initial, initial 60 pounds, I got off my thyroid meds. And when I lost the additional 95, uh, my, my doctor was blown out, right? You probably never need to have those things again in your life. Thank God. Thank God. Divorce from big pharma. So if you're waiting till the first of the year, why? <laughs> you th- there's no magic date. I know you want to eat a bit on Christmas. Tell them that. Just say to your nutritionist at Soda Weight Loss, hey, I got to let you know, I want to be able to cut loose Christmas Eve and Christmas. And they're going to go, no, heretic. No, they're going to say, got it. Let's plan for that. Plan for that. Yeah. See, when I took off 150 pounds of unwanted fat, I learned a lot along the way, such as how to preload for events like that. You tell your nutritionist, hey, listen, I don't care what's happening, but I'm having the Christmas meal and the Christmas, you know, Christmas snacks. And how can I do that in the best, wisest way? There's tricks of the trade. Start now waiting it's fool's errand. It's sodaweightloss.com. Stands for state of the art because they are sodaweightloss.com. S-O-T-A weightloss.com. So if when the Lord Jesus said, you know, as you treat the least of these, so you treat me. And so people on the progressive, uh, so-called progressive Christianity, which doesn't exist, nor does conservative Christianity. Now, there's, there's, there's orthodox Christianity, that is adherence to the Bible, but there's no political party dash Christianity. That doesn't, that's not real. So progressive Christianity, they will say, well, the Lord Jesus said, give to the least of these. So reparations is doing that. No, it's not. It's giving to the most of these. It's giving to the most of these. Do you think that the reparations are just going to take the form of checks? Maybe. But it's far more likely that they take the form of checks distributed through community aid organizations and civil rights groups, so-called. And know this, there's going to be a department of reparations because you got to track the reparations and the people in the department of reparations, <laughs> they're going to be getting a hundred large per year. Well, in the state of California, more than that, in a state whose pension system is bankrupt, there are municipalities where the, 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 the system is literally bankrupt. There's not a dime left for people's pensions. They're going to hire more people because you got to have a department of reparations. So who are you paying? And then when that money lands, who's going to get that money? Okay, so the recipients get it. Really? How many of the costs for the recipients go up? So again, I'm, I, I can't wait to have this discussion with my, my sister because it's not a monologue. Thank God. I will sit with her and listen and hear her point of view and share this with her and say with her, hey, but wait a minute, aren't we, aren't we the first generation to get life insurance? Didn't mom not get much in terms of inheritance? Wasn't that the case? And dad, well, God love my dad. He kind of, kind of blew his. Well, in fact, he didn't accept it. He wouldn't take his grandpa's land, which is worth a lot of money. And my dad was a selfish man, refused to take it. 
In fact, my, my dad died with $30,000 in assets. No, that's not true. $30,000 in debt. The house was in debt. Now, the house was an asset and the land was an asset and we sold that and, and we shared some of the monies from that. Well, so, okay, so in that case, I got some, but not very much. I think $15,000 after costs and, and taking care of, of all dad's affairs because he didn't have that taken care of. So ask my daughter or ask my sister about that. But do you see how the trauma mind makes this possible? And, and, and groups are so good at creating the trauma mind because you are, are looking, you know, looking askew at people. Well, how'd they get all that? How come I don't have all that? And this is what politicians and tyrannists do. I like that phrase, tyrannists. Which brings us back to Yoel Roth, the Twitter censor. Now, as I listen to a guy describe his own, his own trauma on January 6th, there is some things that you need to know about online life. And from the other side, we all, most of us have been online. But there's some things you need to understand about being in the content moderation business. I've never done it, but I've had people work for me who did it. So what Noel, what Yoel Roth, I'll give you the full piece here what he, as he talks with Kara Swisher. He's describing the role of a content moderator from a perspective of it caused him great personal harm. He speaks and seems to me to be a man in permanent terror. And I'll give you some of the background about content moderation, even way back in the day as Facebook was just growing up and Twitter had just been born. So again, this is Joel Roth. He was the chief censor, as I say it, for Twitter, talking with Kara Swisher. Donald Trump. That one I don't think was a mistake. January 6th. So it it starts on the 6th, but it also starts prior to that. That's correct. In the weeks leading up, in the weeks between Election Day and January 6th, Twitter moderated hundreds, I think the, the, the final number ended up as like 140 separate tweets from just at real Donald Trump that violated various policies. Yes, he was good at that. Integrity policy. Yeah. Every morning it was a new tweet. Much of it was recirculating some of the same narratives. And all of it was focused on the ultimately false claim that the 2020 election had been stolen. And so we're going into the events of the 6th. And there's that context. There's the centrality of his account. In so you let him get away with it for a long time, in other words. Well, we'd been enforcing on it, right? So we restricted the tweets. We put warnings on them. You couldn't like them. You couldn't retweet them. Um, but we didn't ban him because it was a relevant part of a moment in American mm-hmm. politics. Right. The events of the 6th happen. And... Um, If you talk to content moderators who worked on January 6th, myself included, the word that nearly everybody uses is trauma. Mm -hmm. We we experience those events, not some of us as Americans, but not just as Americans or as citizens, but as people working on sort of how to prevent harm on the internet, we saw the clearest possible example of what it looked like for things to move from online to off. We saw... What was we saw the way that rhetoric about a stolen election was being mobilized on sites like the Donald.win. Sure. We yes. saw the trafficking of this content in the fringe parts of the internet, and we saw people dead in the Capitol as a Why consequence. Why not before? Of it. Let me. Well, when he says dead in the Capitol, of course, he thinks he's talking about cops. And of course, no cops were killed on that day. There were. Two protesters who were killed, one shot, one beaten to death in my mind, although the official 
statement is, oh, she overdosed on pills she'd been taking for the past couple of decades or so. But there's more to get to on that uh, with Yoel Roth, uh, particularly about this content moderation stuff. Uh, well, there it is again. <laughs> if we don't plan these things, it just comes up. I guess it's so often in the conversation. Uh, talking about Mike Lindell, right after there's statements about the big lie. And I have something to say about that after we talk about Mike. The big lie, the election wasn't sold. I've got something to say about that in relation to your bank account, incidentally. Uh, but Mike Lindell has done what winners do. And that is that he has resilience. There's two things that will trump just about everything else. Hustle and resilience. Getting there first and getting up when you've been knocked down will, will beat just about everything else if you intend to succeed in life. Of course, the basis of all that's in my judgment, success is faith and being tied to the Father at all times. But Mike Lindell is the very best of resilience. And this is no more clear than in his decision. Let's see. The entire United States government is against you. The DOJ has your phone. They're seeking to destroy your businesses. Some of the top retailers have kicked you out. What do you do? Well, let's reduce staff and let's have our products made over in China so we save money. And nope, nope, nope. Let's triple down. Let's just have faith that God helped us keep this company running. He's going to help us keep it running because God said to me, Mike, I rescued you from addiction, from a sin problem, from your flesh and your fleshly desires. Now you're going to help people sleep. That was the core of it. So the doubling down is a new product. It's a six-piece towel set. They're all made in the United States of America with USA cotton. They're unbelievably absorbent. It's the softest set of towels I've ever had. Each set comes with two bath towels and they're really large. I might qualify them as beach towels. They're really that big a bath towel. Two hand towels and a washcloth two-pack. Order any MyPillow product before December 25th and the 60-day money-back guarantee is extended through March 1st, 2023 so you can return if not fully satisfied. Vote for resilience by wrapping yourself in nothing but the best with this MyPillow six-piece towel set. Regularly $89.98, now for only $39.98. That's 50% off or more. That's a little more, isn't it? MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. It's MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. You get a whole bunch of extra savings there. Get the towel sets, almost well more than 50% off. MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. And Noah Roth, in this, this point he makes, I want to go maybe not quite in reverse order, but understand something about content moderation. I was the head of RNC Digital, the chief digital strategist. When we launched a website, we decided to err on the side of letting people interact. And we found out how filthy and awful leftist activists are because the first thing they wanted to do was put on our website pictures of little kids being raped. Okay, so we had to switch things around. Nope, everything that goes up has to be approved. Yep, it's going to slow the process. Yes, it's going to be less fun for people, but we're not going to let them do this. But that's what they wanted to do. And my staff throughout the night, and some of them young female staff, had to see these awful, disgusting, horrific, ungodly pictures because they wanted to embarrass the Republican National Committee. They also launched a series of denial service attacks against us and did everything they could to attack us, and they got it done. And we learned, and we were resilient, and we came back, and the next time we launched the website, it was a thing of beauty because we actually set up a decoy website. We set up a decoy launch. 
We set up a fake honeypot where they thought they had gained root access to us. We set up a new social network where they thought they were posting pictures of child porn to us and it was actually going to law enforcement. It was tons of fun because it's resilience. You get back up and do it again. That you do it better. But content moderation, he's describing the life of a content moderator because people are sometimes awful, particularly when people are not paying a cost for being awful. But when he talks about his personal trauma of January 6th as the ultimate outcome of things coming from the online and going to the offline, he lets something slip. He doesn't think cops getting murdered is the ultimate outcome. He wants to talk about dead cops on the Capitol, but he doesn't want to talk about the 100% increase in murdered cops in the wake of the Black Lives Matter incorporated terrorism and demanding that cops get killed because Joel Roth is unaffected by that because it's not his group. They're not his group. His trauma, as I see it, is about his group because he's been convinced that his group is the one that's at risk and his group is the one that's compassionate and his group is the one that knows the truth. And he said that it ultimately turned out to be a lie that the election was stolen. My question for Yoel Roth would be this. Would you please give me one of your checks? And I, I'm sure that he doesn't have checks. Or let's say it this way. Hey, Yoel, will you let me use your, uh, your Venmo? For what? Oh, just Whatever. Are you going to do anything wrong with? No. Just give me your Venmo and your password. And, and uh, in fact, can I have a copy of your, uh, can I take a picture of your eyes up close? And can I get a, a thumbprint from you? No. I'm not going to give you my thumbprint and a copy of my eyes that you could use for facial recognition. Why? Because you'd steal from me. Oh. Well, then how do you know the election wasn't stolen? What do you mean? When anybody can take a thousand or 10,000 ballots and turn them in in states that do barely any signature verification, where you never had to prove you're the person who was supposed to get that ballot, no ID, where in many cases they don't have to be postmarked. How do you know that's not the same thing as someone getting your Venmo and a copy of your face and your thumbprint. You don't. Frankly, we have no idea if the election was stolen. But in his trauma mind, as I see it, it's important for him to believe the election was not stolen. Because if that were not the case, then he would be one of the bad guys. Look, I don't go around touting <laughs> pop culture all the time. If I do, it's, it's a very select set of movies or books and, or TV shows. The Walking Dead had a great moment. It has had many, many great moments. And you might remember this one if you've ever seen the series, although it tends to be a bit of violence porn. I, I admit that. But there was a scene where the supposed bad guys, Negan, now run by Negan, and look, they were horrible, horrible people. Horrible people, far worse than Rick's people, although Rick's people had started to become horrible, started to become mercenaries. But there was a scene where one of the women who'd been with Negan said to one of the women who'd been with Rick, did it ever occur to you that you were the bad guys in our story? You snuck into one of our outposts and murdered 23 people in their sleep. We had no idea you existed. 
You didn't come to us and say, hey, what's the deal between you and the Hilltop? We hear that you're, you have them in virtual slavery. Is that right? You didn't do anything. You just snuck into one of our outposts and you murdered 23 people. That's how we met. You were the bad guy in our story. Noel Roth cannot understand that when you determine, you, Yoel Roth, determine that the election was not stolen, that there's no sign that it was stolen, when you, Yoel Roth, determine that the only and best scenario of offline, of online words becoming offline violence is Jan 6, when you just spent the last two years, we, that is, spent the last two years watching cops get murdered, and frankly, under COVID, watching cops assault people for not wearing woke masks, which was also the result of rhetoric. When we watched our cities burn, when I watched my city of Seattle, six blocks of it seized by a terrorist group, when I watched two young people, including a child, shot and murdered in the Antifa stand, when I watched the rapes occur, when I watched the vandalism of people's businesses, the burning down, the handing out of AR-15s out of the back of a Tesla, and no one ever got charged for that. I watched, I watched it happen. For two years, and many of us did, and to us, that was a manifestation of violence with your site as a tool. And if it hadn't been your site, it would have been Facebook, and it was, or it would have been Reddit, or it would have been email. I never came to you and said, Yoel, it's your job to stop the degradation of, of society in this way. It is your responsibility. It's not necessarily your job. But now, 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 we get to him fully giving the game away because we shift from Jan 6th into the dreaded topic of the transgender lie. There's no such thing as a transgender person. There's people confused about their gender. There's people who've been conned about their gender. There's people who are gender rebellious, but no one was born in the wrong body. Once again, Kara Swisher. Once again, Yul Roth. And it turns out Kara Swisher doesn't like the Babylon Bee. But she asks Joel Roth about the decision to ban the Babylon Bee, and this gives the game away in terms of the trauma minds. Okay, Babylon Bee, which is what got him to buy the thing, I think. That's the... That's, that's the, the one which, is, which was not particularly funny. The Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. <laughs> not funny. Yeah. Um, and, and you can ask... I didn't her. agree they should have taken that down, but go ahead. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting to think about what the competing tensions around that are. And I, w- I want to start by acknowledging that um, the targeting and the victimization of the trans community on Twitter is very real, very life-threatening, and extreme. Okay, you're a very traumatized young man. You're wrong. Um, there are, in fact, people confused about their gender who are targeted, and you take those accounts down. Yoel, I know you're lying because I have friends who have been threatened with death from men who think they're women whose kids have been videotaped leaving their schools by men who think they're women. Those men who think they're women showed up at my friend's jobs and got them fired. And, Yoel, you left their tweets up. But when my friends created a video compilation of tweets threatening them, of following their kids around, you removed my friend's account. See his trauma mind? Extraordinarily serious. Um, we have seen from a number of Twitter accounts, including libs of TikTok notably, that there are orchestrated campaigns that particularly are singling out 
a group that is already particularly vulnerable. No, it's not. It's the most powerful group in the United States of America. People who claim gender confusion can force others to pretend they can steal women's jobs. They can steal women's scholarships. They can seize children from parents and mutilate them. They're the most powerful group in the United States. Rachel Levin, a man who pretends to be a woman, wants to use taxpayer funds to chemically and surgically mutilate kids. None of what Yoel Roth is saying here is true, but he can't know that. Because he is a narcissistic trauma victim. And trauma, believe it or not, can make people narcissistic. He continues. Within society. And so, yeah, not only is it not funny, but it is dangerous. Once again, not only is it not funny, the Babylon Bee is hilarious. To me. And to many people, they just put out a fantastic tweet saying Baal uh, distances himself from Bellingiasia. That's fashion thing. That's satanic. That's Baal just separates himself or you know distances himself. Sorry to keep interrupting this. And it does contribute to an environment that makes people unsafe in the world. So let's start from a premise that it's fucked up. But then, sorry for the curse again, word. Let, let's look at what Twitter's written policies are. Twitter's written policies prohibit misgendering. There's no such thing. Now, okay, private company doing private company things? Yeah, except it's completely aligned with the state. And again, sorry for the curse word. I didn't know that was coming. In fact, I'd forgotten. Nominally, but it's still misgendering. And, you know, you can... There can be a very long and and academic discussion of, of satire and sort of the lines there... Interestingly, uh, Apple tried to tease out this question of satire and political commentary in their own guidelines, which I think are are also fraught. But, you know, we landed on the side of enforcing our rules as written. And that's how it got bought by Elon Musk, just in case you're interested. Um, He was mad about that. I remember that. And and why, why shouldn't he be mad about that? See, the trauma mind is this. They're coming for me. That man is sitting in a panel with a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, Kara Swisher, who, again, I've always found to be a nice person. Um, I've got to think that at his level at Twitter, Joel Roth will never need to work again. He's going to go lecture. He's going to have a career of consulting and lecturing. The left is going to make him whole. He is, uh, by the way, a man who enjoys... If you look at his online presence, he is not a nice man online. He's part of the most protected and powerful group in the United States of America. If you ever wonder who's in charge, determine who you're not allowed to criticize. You're not even allowed to state biological fact. So it comes down again to his feelings. The Babylon Bee is not funny. The election was not stolen. Donald Trump is not a nice man, but Joe Biden is. Comes down to feelings. When you're dealing with people with the trauma mind, guess what it always comes down to? Feelings. When you're dealing with a person in a trauma mind, guess what doesn't work? Logic. Negotiation. Quiet, calm. You know what works? You're okay. You're safe. 
You're not in danger. It's going to be okay. I'm here to protect you. It's going to be okay. We've just gotten through the first trauma election. The entire populace was traumatized. Oh, I can say I wasn't. I'd be lying. Because I'm watching my country be stomped. It's traumatic. I choose to hand that to the Lord. I choose to have peace that transcends all understanding through God. I choose to have faith. And where I don't, I pray that the, that the Lord would give me faith. I believe that the things are going to turn out because he says so. And where I have doubt, I ask him to replace that doubt with faith. I doubt Yul Roth has that. And so we're seeing the trauma mind, which takes us back to reparations. The big steaming hot pile of financial revenge. That'll settle things, right? Like the very dear man who'd been Republican uh, Party chair, state party chair, once told me, he said, now that they've got gay marriage as a right, I'm happy because they can't ask for anything more. That's it. They don't need anything more. They'll never ask for anything more. He was wrong then. And I hope he knows that now. And people who say, well, once we do reparations, it's going to settle things. Really? Number one, it will have not been enough. Number two, it will have not gone to enough people. Number three, the, the, the standard will have been set. Who will be next? Probably Native Americans. After that, well, men who think they're women. In fact, San Francisco is already creating universal basic income. I think it's San Francisco. It's one of the cities in the separate country of California. It's creating a universal basic income just for men who think they're women and women who think they're men. It's wildly unconstitutional, but it doesn't matter because it's the trauma mind and the trauma mind being fed. And how does the trauma mind stop being the trauma mind? Well, it learns that it's okay. It learns that it's safe. And it begins to achieve on its own. Why? Because then it has safety on its own. How? Because it realizes it can stand on its own. Ultimately, the cure for trauma, well, you know what I'm going to say. It's a relationship with the Lord. I don't think Yul Roth can get there. But that's where we're at with reparations. Compassion versus reparations. Compassion wins. America versus the government? Question. Who's trying to terrorize who? That would give you the answer as to who's the bad guy in our story. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and remember that God is the ultimate physician, the ultimate home for our fears because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 